basically about trusting God. This chapter is basically the expression of a man, a psalmist who's trusting God. It doesn't say it's a psalm of David. It could be. So let's just read 24 verses. And a lot of times in uh, the Bible, you see in the outside of the Psalms and like in the, the previous books before the Psalms, you see what men do and what God does. And here you see a lot in the Psalms of what men feel <laughs> toward God. Um, and sometimes it's not always correct, but we are accurate record of what men feel, what men desire, what is particularly what a believer desires and is crying out to God for. And we can connect with his sentiments and his feelings, um, whether they seem high or low. So Psalm 71, let's read this. I'll read it out loud. Just follow along. 24 verses. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me. And they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more my mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who hast done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? Thou, which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. 
My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. He says God many times. He says, oh, my God, and oh, my God, in a reverent and serious way, not flippant. He says God. He says, oh, my God, like really attributing it, not saying something in vain. Uh, he speaks of trust. He speaks of trust as, as a youth. He speaks of trust as, as an older person. Um, so the theme of this is trusting God, we see here. Uh, let's, let's look at it. Let me give out a few scriptures here, if you don't mind. Uh, so, Stefan, do you mind reading Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Um, and then, Brother Brian, do you mind reading 2 Corinthians 3, 4? And Brother Rusty, do you mind reading 1 Timothy 4, 10? And then, Brother Matt, would you mind reading 1 Timothy 6, 17? All right, in just a moment, I'll have you read that. But um, while you're turning there, some of you, um, in this passage, you see a person expressing trust, expressing dependence on God. Everybody trusts in something. Even people that say they don't believe in God, they trust in something. They're trusting in uh, themselves. They're, tr- they're in their own understanding. They're trusting in their own abilities. Sometimes they trust in another person. And um, as a scripture says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's better to trust in God than to put confidence in princes, it says in the middle of the Bible. Uh, it's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in their self. The Bible says that uh, there's a psalm or a proverb that says that you know, if he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Trust your heart. And uh, to take that really seriously would be foolish. Now, to to, to try to tap in on what's going on in you is one thing and try to discern it and to discern maybe a real desire, that's one thing. But to say, I'm trusting myself, that's another thing. All right, so the psalmist is trusting God. It's clearly seen. So should we. So let's hear the famous, my, fam- my favorite verses, Proverbs 3, now 5 and 6. Right, so the wisest man uh, to ever live besides the Lord Jesus Christ is telling his son to do that and not depend on your own wisdom. All right, let's hear 2 Corinthians 3, 4. Yeah, I'm sorry, go to the next verse. I think it's a whole, yeah, that, that is the verse. Yeah, so I should, it's a one, at least one sentence there. It may have even been more. What's Paul saying? Here's the kind of trust that we have through Christ, Godward. <laughs> we're not sufficient of ourself. We're, we're empty cups every day. <laughs> and uh, God's got to fill our cup. God's got to be the, the rescuer. Have you ever woke up? I've had so many days where I wake up. I'm like, God, if you don't show up, I'm busted. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting for certain. And uh, that's kind of what Paul's saying. He says, and this is the kind of trust that we have. We, such trust have we through Christ to God. We're not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And he's speaking of being sufficient enough to, to be an apostle and a church planner. And that's how 
often I confess to God, God, I am not enough for X, Y, Z, name it. And so make me enough. And uh, I heard one of your apostles say that, so I'm going to pray what he expressed. So here's, so it's not, oh, that's nice for the psalmist. It's nice for Paul, and it's, and it's nice for us. It's right for us to have this, to, to say, I want to trust in God day by day because I'm insufficient. Again, these are kind of introductory verses here. So let's hear another verse about trust. Let's see, who did I give that to? Brother Matt or Rusty? Sorry. Yes. All right, so Paul says we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. You know, you'd still work. If you trust God, you still labor. And, um, and if you trust God, you'll suffer reproach. If you trust God, it doesn't mean nobody will. Now you'll have no enemies. Everybody's going to like you now. You're going to suddenly be the most popular person. You may suffer reproach. You know what? There's, this is kind of a side note. I was, I've been... Um, I think it was Peter. He said, well, I know it was Peter. I can't remember which book. He basically said about trusting God, if any of you trust God and you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed on that behalf. That's a good thought right there. Do you ever feel like people make you feel ashamed? You just, look at you, you just... Christian, you know, you're trying, you'd have things better if you do this, if you go my way. You know, sometimes the world or suffering or having, being in the kind of a, uh, in a, uh, a position where you're hurting because of your Christian choices and somebody makes you feel bad about it, Peter says, don't be ashamed, but glorify God on this behalf. That's part of trusting God. Trusting God, as as, uh, uh, Rusty read Paul's words, can involve suffering reproach. And then here's one I think related to riches, Brother Matt. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. All right, so it's told what not to trust, and it's implied what to trust. Don't trust in... He didn't say if you're rich, you better get rid of that status right quick. He says just charge them that are rich to not trust in those uh, fluctuating riches, but in the living God. And so it's great. So back to Psalm 71. Here's the question. Let's go back to Psalm 71. I just had us read some other verses to think about trust. Right now, everybody is demonstrating trust right now by sitting in the chair. You're demonstrating trust by coming to church. You trusted that nobody's going to hurt you so far, you know. All right, and you demonstrated, you demonstrated some trust when you got in your car and assumed that when you turn the key, it's going to start or push the button or whatever you do nowadays. Uh, pretty soon, it'll just be wink or something at your car, and it'll start. But here's our question. Back in Psalm 71, I'm going to ask the question, and we'll try to answer it. What is he trusting God about? What is he trusting God about? What are the peculiars, the particulars here, I should say? Let me just, I'll name off this. There's seven points I noticed in this chapter. We won't get through all of them. But let me just read off what I noticed he's trusting God about, and then we'll tackle a few of them. We see in verse 1 and 2, he's trusting God to banish confusion. To banish confusion. The second thing I see, he's trusting God in verse 3 to be a continual resort for him. 
something. God would be a continual resource. Then number three, that was number two. Then number three, we see he's trusting God to bring him away from cruel people. Bring him away from cruel people. Sometimes we have a break. We know we'll suffer reproach, but sometimes we need a little breather. Number four, he's trusting God. This is a long statement, but this is, a, this is exactly what he's saying here. Number four, he's trusting God to be to him as he was when he was a child. To be trustworthy to him just like he was when he was a child trusting him. God, I'm still the little six-year-old trusting you even though I'm 56 now. Number five, we see that he's trusting God to not cast him off in old age, not dismiss his faith. Number six, we see he's trusting God to cause renewal in his life. We'll see that in verse 20. Number seven, we see in verse 21, he's trusting God to comfort him, to comfort him. So those are the seven uh, points of trust I see. There's probably several ways to go out this chapter, but that's kind of how I looked at it. So let's consider the first one. Number one, what is the psalmist here trusting God about? Notice, let's read verse 1 and 2. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. So I think what he's talking about here in being put to confusion, and that is this. He knows that there's this, he knows with God there is the dynamic of those who uh, trust in me will not be confounded. There's another psalm that says that. That is, uh, okay, so have you ever followed instructions on something? And you follow the instructions, and you're like, hey, this didn't work. Oh, wait a minute, I thought I followed all the instructions. I one time had something, and I usually, it's usually me that's the problem. I'll go, my wife will say, hey, you forgot this. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's the airhead husband that didn't get it. But there was one time, and I had another brain verify this, that I found an error in Ikea's instructions. Yeah, it's those Europeans. Sometimes they just forget a few things. I don't know, something lost in church. But there was actually an error. And I was kind of like, what? I went through the, it was a bunk bed thing, you know, and I, and I put all, I had all, brand new, I had all the parts, all the stuff. I did the ends and I did the, they have weird, they have kind of weird stuff. It's a little different. The, the, the support are like two square cage things and, and there was something else with the ladder. And I'm like, I'm doing these I have these bolts just right, and one of them, it's like one didn't have a hole or something in the right spot. I can't remember what it was, the particular, but it related to the ladder. And I even had my dad, I'm like, Dad, look at this thing. And we were both like, sure enough, this is an error in their instructions. And I think maybe I had to get an extra bolt and drill another hole. I can't remember what it was. But I was kind of confused. You know, I was put to confusion. I'm trusting this. And I'm like, why isn't it working? And it wasn't that highly consequential. It was a small thing. But this is what the psalmist is saying. God, I'm trusting in you. And as I'm trusting you, I'm trusting that you're not, that you're going to prevent me from being confused. That what I rely on you on, you're going to banish uh, being confounded, being disappointed, being let down. 
I think that's what he's saying here, that God wouldn't let them down. Um, when I handle things God's way, it's blessed. Proverbs 16.20 says that uh, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. So when I trust in God, then handling things wisely, and I won't be let down. Number two, he's trusting God to, for what? To be a continual resort. I like the word resort. Verse three, be thou my strong habitation. Again, these words speak of location, speak of covering. Habitation is like a place you dwell. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Anybody have like a shed blow away in a monsoon? Anybody have that? Or like, okay. Um, did anybody ever seen a trailer displaced from a monsoon? You know, anybody ever seen something like that? Okay. Yeah? Did that happen to you back in... Yeah. <laughs> well, there goes a trampoline. Yeah. Wow. You know, some of, when, when the monsoons come, you're like, things get moved around. Things get uplifted. You know, and you think... Um, what else? Oh, I know what it is. My dad and I, when we had our shop over in Mesa, it was okay. The, the structure was basically steel beams and, Rusty, what do you call the kind of the perforated or the, huh? Corrugated. corrugated. It's like corrugated steel. That's all it was. That's all it was, man. We were cooking. <laughs> and then when the Sandovals took over, they insulated it and it's nice and comfy. But anyways... Uh, but, but we were just kind of dumb. We just had, you know, swamp colors. But it was steel and the corrugated metal uh, galvanized stuff all around. And, and it was an old building. We didn't even own it. Uh, Tri-City Auto Body and Towing owned it, owned it. And it was old. And, and some of it was loose. And there was holes. And, and then we'd have, like, uh, um, you know, there would be cars out and different parts hanging on, hanging on uh, racks that we were painting or whatever. And we had stuff inside, we had stuff partially inside on open, kind of an open bay area, we had stuff outside. And when we knew when a monsoon was coming, dad's like batting down the hatches, you know, bring in this, bring in this, bring in that, bring in that one car, leave that other junkie car out. You know, we had to make sure they had a, a little resort uh, to go into. There was a few times where we had very, we had, I think this is probably 20 years ago, where we had three cars that probably their cost not... Not because of, I mean, our paint job contributed a small part of this, but just the, the oldness of the cars. There was at least three cars that were nearly $100,000 in value sitting in there. And we're like, get them inside, lock it up, you know, just those three cars combined. And, um, and nowadays that's like not, that's easy to add up that quickly, but these are three older cars. And so we would have to put them undercover. Well, the psalmist is saying, God, be that for me. Be my place where I, can, where I can go, where my mind can go, where I can take my mind to you, I can take my soul to you, be my strong habitation. Where does our soul go when we need uh, to resort? Where does our mind go when we need to take a resort? We have to find a way, like the psalmist, to resort to God in moments of prayer. Resort to God with our mind. Resort to God's Word. Resort to God on a walk. Resort to God on a drive. Be His, be, say, God, be my continual resort. That's what he's trusting God for. Anybody, uh, um, anybody stay at a resort in the last year or so? Anybody? 
think of? Yeah, we kind of. Which ones were open, right? <laughs> I don't think any, very many were open. You know, sometimes we get a deal on a resort. Um, let's see, one time I had, this was a few years ago. Actually, I'd never done this before. I don't know if I've done it since. I did a three-day by myself sabbatical, and I went down to Tucson, and uh, I think that was maybe five years, six years ago, and I was able to get a really good deal on, man, I can't remember the name of this place, um, but it's not far from, oh, there was a hiking area over there, but anyways, this, it was a pretty decent resort, it had a spacious room, and the, 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 had like an Arcadia door, and I put a desk in front of it because I was doing some studying and praying. And this Arcadia door right there, you could see the green. Outside, there was, no, there was nothing else except the, the, some of the green from the golf course and the mountain. Right there, I was like, yes. I like, I'm liking this. Peaceful, peace and, peace, nice peace and quiet I had for a few days there. That was a nice resort. The psalmist said, God, be that for my soul. Be that for my soul. We should, we should embrace that same sentiment. And trust God to be at our continual resort. There's other things that we sometimes we, we run to. We sometimes run to people, and sometimes people can help. Sometimes we run to an entertainment. And entertainment, entertainment has a place, and it's fun to enjoy stuff. It's fun to enjoy being with a person. It's fun to enjoy playing a game. It's fun to enjoy you know, some other distraction. But, but what is it that really is going to help my soul? And that is touching base with God. Touching base with God. It's that simple. And sometimes we don't because we just need to humble ourselves uh, to do it. All right, so number, and then let's look at this last one. We'll stop here. He's trusting God, what else? To bring him away from cruel people. Now, again, we talked about trusting God will bring reproach, but notice I think he's kind of needing a little relief from some persecution here. Notice verse 4. Deliver me, oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. I just spoke with somebody a little bit ago, and they said, I got a nasty letter from somebody uh, on their job, and it really crushed them. It really hurt. And uh, I, I'm assuming this is pretty unfair. It was pretty, um, um, I'm assuming the letter was unfair to the person who received it, who talked to me. I said, this was, this was kind of painful to have this mean letter. Have you ever gotten a mean letter from somebody? It happens every now and then. It happens. Um, or an anonymous letter that's mean, that's worse. Yeah. Like, come on, at least have the courage to tell me who you are here. But here, the psalmist, I think he's dealing more, with, more than just uh, some mean anonymous letter He's probably, if it's David, this is bad. He's got somebody like Saul uh, trying to kill him. This is not easy. Or, or maybe a Philistine. So he's praying, God, bring me away from cruel people. It's no fun being with somebody that's cruel. You know? My, my Susie has dealt in, with being a waitress sometimes. And some, I remember she was at Village Inn, and she'd come home and say, Dad, there was this mean old guy there, you know? And then there's the nice old guys that want to just talk all day, you know. But she's told me a few times where there was somebody that was really mean and chewed her out. And I feel bad. I felt bad for her when she was a waitress there at Village Inn because sometimes um, it would be like she gives the food. She didn't cook the food, you know. She didn't even have a, uh, a say in how fast the food came or not. 
But she gives a food, and guess who gets the, if somebody's not happy, she's their verbal punching bag for it, you know. And, uh, and so she has to be this mediator between chef and grumpy man, and it's not easy being a mediator. Jesus did that for us, you know. And so you, cruel people, it's no fun dealing with cruel people. Let's not be one, okay? Let's not be a cruel person. But when we do encounter them, say, God, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this wicked person, this unrighteous and cruel man. And um, so, and then he goes on to talk about, let's just mention this. Look at, again, verses 4 to 7. I'm sorry. uh, Verses 5 through 7. Thou art my hope, O God. Thou art my trust from my youth. That will bring us into point four. He's going to describe about from his youth, God, thou art my hope. Thou art my trust from my youth. Ever since I was a young person, I was trusting in you. And he's appealing to that same relationship. By the way, those of us that kind of were saved and started walking with the Lord and developing a relationship with the Lord as we are younger, so often you just kind of go back to that mentality, that childlike mentality, that childlike dependence, that simplicity. So often that's how I do. I go back to that. And I say, God, I'm just trusting you just like I did when I was a dumb 15-year-old because now I'm a dumb 45-year-old, whatever I am, 46-year-old. See, I'm dumb. Um, and I, that's how it is a lot of times. Trust is still simplistic, just like you were when you were a child. And so we'll, we'll look at that a little more next week. And so uh, the psalmist trusting God, so should we.